Live from the Nixcast Franthropological Institute, raise the land and boil the sea. You can't take this podcast from me. We're talking brown coats. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast that brings the fans I view to you. It's Phanthropological, and this week we are talking about brown coats. I am Nick G, and here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. I'm a level 10 gunslinger. That's right, I'm bringing it back. <laughs> and Nick Z. I am, uh, I'm fixing for a duel, so I'm just gonna punch somebody in the gut and hope for the best. <laughs> That's all any of us can do from day to day. Mm-hmm. Well, you mean it's a victimless crime. <laughs> Absolutely. We're great men, good men, and we're just men. Yeah. That much is definitely true. Yep. As G mentioned, we're talking about brown coats this week, which for those of you who may not be in the know, that means we're actually talking about fans of the TV show Firefly. I'm going to dispense with a few little fandom facts to get us started. Talking about the origins of Firefly, Firefly was a sci-fi western show broadcast in 2002, created by Joss Whedon. Only 11 of the 14 recorded episodes were aired in its original U.S. run on the Fox network before the show was cancelled. Due to DVD sales, the show was deemed successful enough to have a movie produced, which is known as Serenity. It stars several fan-favorite actors, such as Nathan Fillion, Gina Torres, Alan Tudyuk, Marina Baccarin, Adam Baldwin, Jewel State, Sean Meyer, Summer Glau, and the late Ron Glass. I found some good words, because I don't always have the best words, um, on an article called When Fox Cancelled Firefly, It Ignited a Fandom, and that quote goes as such, Firefly is a space western set 500 years in the future in the aftermath of a civil war between rebels known as independents, or brown coats and a tyrannical conglomerate called the Alliance. The independents lose the war, and under Alliance control, corporations rule openly. Getting us a little bit of that dystopian <laughs> cyberpunk, but it's definitely Ooh, not cyberpunk. No, no, sir. Field to the show. Names for the fandom, of course, include Browncoats, uh, which are dubbed in honor of the doomed but noble independents uh, in the show. The fandom was probably most active around October of 2005, which, surprise was when Serenity, the movie, was released. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, interest in the show has been in a very slow decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's about half as much interest today as there was about five years ago. I found something on the size of the fandom. Okay. All right. How big do you think the fandom is as a lower bound? Currently. Lower bound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100,000 people. Okay. Uh, 101,000. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I try and make my guess at least significantly different from Z's and say 500,000. Okay. Well, prices right rules closest without overbidding. There are at least 200,000 fans, and that is mm-hmm. because after the show was canceled, uh, Fox released a DVD box set which sold more than 200,000 copies, uh-huh. which prompted them to start work on the movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to get into it, but uh, fans raised $14,000 to buy 250 DVD sets. So uh, there's a little, little tiny dent in that 200,000 uh, figure, perhaps. 
but they did it so that they could send them out to various Navy ships in the U.S. Navy. That is some extra special fan thinking. Yeah. Man, they they don't have anything else to watch. We can watch Firefly. <laughs> and then we'll have a bunch of new fans of the show. Apparently it was part of, a, of some guerrilla marketing that the fans engaged in fairly heavily. Yeah. When you mentioned that, G, I had some thoughts about some interesting quotes that I'd come across, but I'll bring them up a little bit later in the show. I don't want to don't want to tip my hand too early. Not that we're in a competitive game. Or are we? Things that I'm learning about this podcast. Mm. Who's winning right now? Uh I don't know. Is this Hunger Games or is this is this just like poker? I was thinking poker, but uh I don't know. I mean, poker is like the Hunger Games except people don't die, they just lose. Yeah. And and they have to fight each other. <laughs> Yeah, so hunger, <laughs> whatever. Apparently, I don't I'm, know how games work. It's honest; they're honestly not that similar. They are both games. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I thought this was just a regular poker club, not a fight club poker club. <laughs> well, if you're looking for a Pokemon club, Ooh. then you should check out that episode that we recorded at YetiCon, mm-hmm. which is probably out by now. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. and with that, we will shut that rift train down. <laughs> carry on with the episode oh perfect um in terms of fan activity most of what i found was uh shipping which seems to be a big part of any of the fandoms that we've covered uh this was interesting apparently around the time uh, that the movie was released not too far before that dvds were starting to be released as well a popular fan activity was shindigs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which were informal gatherings where people would get together and just I guess have a good time. Yeah. Watch some Firefly. Yeah, I, I don't see that as being as much of a thing now. I guess people binge watch things. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't take long doing a weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. You talk, you're talking like do it in a day, I suppose. Yeah. In terms of fan fiction, which I found, uh, Archive of Our Own has about just over 5,000, and fanfiction.net has 7,200. So, I don't know, not the least fanfic things we've that's talked not... about. It's not uh, what I expected more. Yeah. TBH. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, fanfiction.net has slightly more, which I think is kind of like a time capsule thing. Like when you cross over some threshold, you move from um, fanfiction.net into archive of our own. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm not yeah. 100% sure. I'm sure if somebody analyzed the data of fanfiction.net, that would be a, a trend, but I have no idea. Yeah. Mm. One of the, like, I didn't look into the fanfiction too uh, too much but on fan lore they did mention sort of the common ships and uh found it kind of interesting that out of the seven that they mentioned only two were uh male male and one was female female hmm. well i mean the crew had no the crew has pretty even split mm-hmm. hmm. yeah i don't know i'm sure they're all out there oh yeah every combination oh yeah but yeah this is going over like like the most popular ones or most notable ones. Yeah, which struck me as as different from a lot of the other fandoms we've covered, perhaps most notably uh, Star Trek, where one of the biggest pairings is, of course, Spock and Kirk. Now, do you think that has to do with, like, the difference in the shows? Like, I've seen, I haven't seen the original series, but I have seen Next Gen, Voyager, Parts of Enterprise, um most of the movies all of the next gen movies all of the new movies and firefly despite only being one season you know when i think about the cast of those shows they're they're different very yeah firefly has a cast that 
every character is is pretty notable. There's there's no particular one note nest to them. Mm-hmm. I always get the impression that a lot of it is still like Kirk and Spock. That's true. Yeah, not quite as varied a cast. Everyone else's characters got filled out. Maybe maybe a lot slower. And it was like television was still a lot newer then. Yeah. But yeah, not near as well rounded. But that was the main one that jumped out because it seemed it seemed illicit and uh, mm-hmm. um, taboo in in multiple ways. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then with Firefly, not to spend too much longer on this because we gotta gotta keep going, gotta gotta start the show. <laughs> I I um. dream for the day we do Sonic fandom <laughs> and we can say we gotta go fast. <laughs> that, that day is coming. That day is coming. <laughs> but anyway, my, what, all I was going to just like winter. <laughs> Oh, man. Yes. Sorry, continue. Anyway, um, with Firefly's cast, you've already got a lot of the characters who are in, if not established relationships, heavily, heavily implied relationships. So it's a little bit more, perhaps, straightforward to pair them up. Mm. I think it might also reflect a little bit on the fan base, but I can bring that up later. Okay. Maybe now is as good a time as any to come back to some of our questions from uh, last time. Oh, boy. Yes. Yep. Good idea. Tom, our guest from last episode on James Bond, had asked, why do people care about this show? <laughs> uh, he further stated, I guess Nathan Fillion is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, you know, it was only on for a season. I haven't seen it. Why do people care so much about it? Get over it. <laughs> that last bit was supposed to be sarcastic, but I didn't have his exact quote, so I'm only paraphrasing. I think we can come back to that in a little for, bit. We'll, we'll, yeah. Like throughout the body of the show, I think we'll probably uh, address that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I want to skip to G's question, which is, is it really that good? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now, in the intervening time, I have not watched the series. What? So, the the judgment of, is it that good, is not, did I think it was a good show or not. Okay. But, the answer is no. Oh, no. What? People love this show because it was cut off oh, man. too quickly. And what they remember fondly is the potential that it had. Hmm. I mean, that was definitely something that I had come across. There's kind of like two questions. Why are there Firefly fans and why are people fans of Firefly? Which are subtle but different questions. I think there's a a group of people who saw the show when it started or around the time that it was canceled. And that's where you you get that. And yeah, people look at it in terms of potential. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the only reason that people enjoy it and think that it's a good show. I think I think it's the difference between, oh, that was a good show, and the fervency that its fandom has. Yeah. Like, there have been lots of good shows that haven't gone on very long that do not have a fandom like Firefly does. Twin Peaks? Twin Peaks? Twin Peaks? Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> sort of. I mean, I like perhaps jumping a little bit ahead but i think one of the big things that uh that i would say sets brown coats apart from from peakers twin peaks fans is that uh twin peaks fans are kind of just like not not necessarily private about it but they're they're more i guess concerned with the curative side of things whereas with brown coats the impression that i had was more and i guess this kind of ties into to g's point a little bit because the show was cut off in its prime, uh, as Entertainment Weekly put it, martyrdom has only enhanced its legend. A lot of the driving force behind the fandom seems to be, you know, we've got to save this show, so they're very public. 
like they're very public about the stuff they do the the various shindigs that they put on and such were like huge events um every year from 2006 to 2009 they'd run a fundraiser for uh one of joss whedon's i guess most most favorite charities I don't, some sort of association between joss whedon and equality now and in uh, 2006 they raised 65,000 and then 106,000 in 2007 107,000 2008 and then 137,000 dollars in 2009 so I mean, it's kind of hard to keep that private in the same way that, say, Twin Peaks fans might discuss, like, what's the deal with the Black Lodge or why why are Blue Rose cases a thing kind of idea, you know? The show definitely set up a bunch of, not mysteries, but started to weave what a universe might be like. Yeah. Just just adding to my point, before everyone is, is completed um, putting their composite rifles together... <laughs> um, <laughs> This is not one angry man, you know, being like, the hype is too much. I got to take this this show down. Um, we'll refer to an article from 2014 hmm. okay. on Tor.com entitled, oh. The Sky is Taken, It's Time to Get Over Firefly. Whoa. That was a pretty nuanced discussion. It wasn't like I, I did find... It wasn't like Firefly is dumb, get <laughs> over it. It was like it kind of broke things down. Hmm. But let me, let me just let me read this paragraph here. No matter how you slice it, the show has 14 episodes and a movie. Yeah, there are some comics, but in the medium it was intended, it's about a season's worth of material these days. More importantly, it's not a complete story. It was intended to be a television show that ran for years the same way Buffy and Angel did. So the show was a lot of fun, yes, and the opening episodes showed loads of potential, but when someone tells me it's one of their favorite television shows in the whole world, my brain immediately goes, that would be like if I handed you the first three chapters of The Sound and the Fury and told you it was one of my favorite ever books. (laughs) What would I be asking you to enjoy? Nah. I mean, I really enjoyed the Hitchhiker's Guide TV series. Mm-hmm. That's like six episodes mm-hmm. of shenanigans. But it's a more complete story. That's true. Well, yeah, you... There isn't a lot of closure in yeah. uh, the show. Mm-hmm. But I will posit perhaps another reason why. Why? Is because it wasn't like stuff that was on at the time it was a little more savvy yeah it was was a little more speaking to the nerd reminded me of community a little bit i saw it compared to community a couple of times oh and that it's like like for nerds by nerds kind of thing yeah just in what i did get to watch of the first episode or alan tudyk's playing with his his dinosaurs (laughs) on the console everything he said was very mystery science theater to me (laughs) curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal yeah, like lines like that is like total mystery science theater. And then like five minutes later, there was a Beatles reference. <laughs> so like I, I can I can see that that it's speaking the language that, you know, the nerds at the time would be speaking being like, hey, this thing, this thing gets where I'm at. It's like and it's and it's like a fun sci fi show. Yeah, I don't think there was a lot of shows that had done space in that way before. Right. Like arguably, it's not even much of a show in space about space it just happens to take place in space it's star wars it's not star wars mm-hmm. star wars is a western it, ju- it just isn't uh <laughs> overt about its western influences right but i guess i guess it's it's more of a space opera whereas firefly mm-hmm. is more of a space western but not in the way that cowboy bebop is a space western <laughs> <laughs> it's also very similar to cowboy bebop oh boy. yeah, yeah. yeah kind of 
having seen both of those to their completion, I have different feelings yes. about that. <laughs> yes. I Like, I agree with you that one of the reasons why people enjoy Firefly is that kind of difference, especially at the, the time. One of the things that I'd come across in the research is that it failed in part because it was a hard sell for the premise that it had. Hmm. But at the same time, it being a hard sell means it's reaching an audience that may not have normally been reached. Mm-hmm. It was before TV really diversified, too. It was on Fox, right? It was one yeah. of the major networks. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there were a lot of reasons why it was canceled. Like, it was broadcast out of order. Whedon fought with Fox on everything. It was in multiple bad time slots. They ha- Apparently, and this blew my mind, they had things to promote the show that completely mischaracterized the show. Hmm. Oh. Like, they're like, oh, we got a captain. He's like a lovable space cowboy. <laughs> and we have, like, this weirdo in a box. Ooh. And, but it, it, so it's, it's marketed in a way that the people who would like the show would be turned off by the marketing. And the people who might be turned on by the marketing would watch the show and be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so there are lots of reasons. It was not handled well by Fox. Sur- surprising, I know. <laughs> This was an interesting quote that I came across that seemed very out of place, but it was there. Um, it's from an article in 2005, the, the same one I had mentioned about Fox canceling the show and an inactive fan base. Uh, it says, With the Star Wars and Star Trek franchises finally ending, hopes are high that homeless sci... <laughs> you read sorry. that? I said I'm that sorry. correctly. When the Star Wars and Star Trek franchises yep. Yep. finally ending, hopes are high that homeless science fiction buffs will find their way to the Firefly universe, nudged perhaps by some online fan-to-fan marketing. That kind of blew my mind. One, that people had hopes of Firefly becoming that, but also that Star Trek and Star Wars were finally ending. It's so <laughs> uh, simpler times, right? <laughs> more innocent times. Man, nothing ever ends. To quote Dr. Manhattan. Ooh. Nothing ever ends. Except for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, Watchmen, yeah, Watchmen yeah. end. Where's, where's Watchmen 2? The Watchiverse. No. No. If you've, if you've read Watchmen. Watchmen Babies. Watchmen Babies. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. I think there was something to it, though, about about it being more highbrow than other shows of the time. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't remember the kinds of things that were on TV at the time. But it it definitely had a different aesthetic and a different sense of of uh, style and wittiness about it. Yeah, in the uh, fan-made documentary, Done the Impossible, at least one fan mentioned how when it was canceled, they were super surprised because Firefly was this show that was like a shining light in, in the dark tunnel of dumb TV. Because I think at the time, reality TV was really setting in, and Firefly was was anything but reality TV. It's a rush huge that there's, that there's still some good TV being made. Well, I think this was also before The Wire. So TV had not yet uh, entered that <laughs> when, golden when age. When TV became good. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting yes. thing that I, that I learned doing the research, was that, um, you know, shows are on network television are primarily driven by ratings and uh, because ratings bring in ad revenue but there's this Mm. weird effect that might have even related to the show being cancelled and that was network execs thought that people wouldn't watch it because it was too highbrow 
so they would move it around in the schedule. Mm-hmm. So ratings would drop. But ratings would drop also because people didn't want to get attached to a show that they never knew was going to be on. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas shows that are, I don't want to say garbage, but garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I, I should have just started with that. But when you're talking about reality TV, there are just low expectations around. So people will just tune in and drop out and that doesn't matter because mm-hmm. they'll inevitably tune in and just either stay or, or leave. But you have lots of people getting, not having a huge amount of investment in it, knowing that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And reality TV is so very cheap to produce. Oh, yeah. Compared to something like Firefly. Oh. Yeah. Which was not. Mm-hmm. No, that was one of the many other reasons that the show was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I'm surprised hasn't led to more popularity of the show today is that, um, well, I can't believe that this was a thing. Apparently, one of the motivations for creating Firefly, not I guess not motivations, but inspirations for the show, were like Joss Whedon reading about the Civil War and being like, well, what if we told the story from somebody who was in part of a, a war and then lost. Mm-hmm. What would the story look like if you told it from the losing side? Which, using the American Civil War as your inspiration for that is problematic for yes. a lot of <laughs> reasons. Yeah. But one thing that carries through from that that I think resonates now with, sadly resonates with uh, people today, is you've got this little bit of anti-authoritarianism. In the show, you know, they're brown coats, they're working not within the confines of the law they're outside of the law they're working out in the outer rim the frontier as it may be they're like cowboys renegades whatever you want to call them Mm -hmm. not quite outlaws or sometimes outlaws bending the rules if nothing else and i would figure that that would have a lot of appeal to people today but maybe sci-fi is too highbrow for that kind of demographic well one of the things um that uh Joss Whedon himself said about the series was that at the time when he was uh, coming up with the idea, a lot of the science fiction that he was seeing, mostly on TV and in the movies, I think he specified, was uh, was seemed very removed from people. You know, very cold, very hard sci-fi that might have been really like intellectually stimulating for a certain group of people, but didn't really have any sort of like personality to it, any sort of like element of of human relationships or i guess humanity in some way so that's what he wanted to do with firefly to make a sci-fi show that still had that human element and i don't know if that sort of like dovetailed with his idea to tell the story about the losing side in a war or if that sort of came out of that well i mean for the longest time like star trek was like the dominant paradigm of sci-fi tv i would say for yeah a long time. Yeah. And Star Trek was about, like, we have, like, the big machine behind us. Yeah. We have the government on our side. We have, you know, the Federation and so on. So, like, to flip flip the script back mm-hmm. to, like, just, just a small gang who are kind of against the dominant. It sounds like a Star Wars-y type movie to me, but... <laughs> I mean, I guess it's evil versus neutral. Yeah. Uh, in Firefly, because they're just kind of skirting the law, but the law is evil. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's explicitly evil. No, I mean, it. it's really hard. Like, I I did not, I have not seen the entire series of Firefly. Um, I've seen the movie. 
seen maybe the first three or four episodes, but I've not seen the whole thing, so I can't, or I've never, and I've never read any of the comics, so I can't speak with much authority, but like, we never really see the alliance, the uh, Chinese-American alliance that took over everything, that won the war, mm. so. Uh, well, having seen the whole series, we do mm-hmm. to some degree. Okay. I was also reminded that there's like a whole other aspect that we haven't mentioned like in firefly there's a lot of we're out exploring the outer rim uh we're settling Mm -hmm. the frontier but then there's this entirely surreal element that brings the show in a different direction the reavers Mm -hmm. who are somehow inhuman monsters but still human but definitely not which is explained in the the serenity movie but like it changes things to say that they're savages is like would be an understatement yeah and also to an- analogize them to native americans would be really really racist oh boy i really hope that wasn't the intention but it it fits the aesthetic i guess it, and anyway yeah. but like that that changes things too because in um star trek like i guess the quote most savage race that you have are the klingons but they're not savage they have their own set of laws and honor and whatnot just like Mm -hmm. place emphasis on being warriors yeah 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 but the reavers you have people like running these machines that have like unstable cores that could like kill all the people on board but they don't care because they just want to murder and rape and pillage and destroy and without any particular thought and tear people oh there's really a really good quote it's like if we're lucky they'll kill us then rape us, then tear our skin off. In that order. Like, they're horrifying. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And that, that changes the, like, not that that makes it real, but it it gives a sense of realness that isn't present in something like Star Trek, because there's an element of danger for the characters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially since the characters don't have, like, well, they can't call on the uh, the Alliance, in the case of Firefly, to help them out if they get caught in a jam like that with the Reavers, they're on their own. Which I think feeds into the draw that the series has had. It's like Han Solo is the protagonist instead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it. Kind of makes me want a Nathan Fillion starring Han Solo kind of thing, but <laughs> that's never going to happen, so that's fine. <laughs> so, another thing that... Um... I thought might uh, might contribute to the popularity of the series and like the the esteem the series is held in. Is I think people feel uh, it's a bit of a wet hot American summer for sci-fi, oh, or for uh, for genre like wet hot American summer. It's like so many people that became famous five to ten years after it was mm-hmm. made were in it, <laughs> like Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler and mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper, and you know, <laughs> like a lot of people weren't famous then. Yeah. I became famous afterwards. Yeah. I feel like, like particularly with Nathan Fillion, I feel like Firefly Lands have like, feel a little bit of, of a possession of Nathan Fillion. So it was like his first really prominent role. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think he was an angel beforehand, but I don't know how popular that was. <laughs> the Joss connection. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what is the movie that basically has everyone in a Joss Whedon movie? Huh? That should do about nothing or something. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That has basically every prominent Whedon-esque person in it. Oh, man. Yeah, that he, like, filmed in 12 days while working on Serenity or something? What? No, I I think it came out a lot more recently than that. Uh, I remember going to see that. It was good. 
Alan Tudyk, who's now and then. Uh, Christina Hendricks, who yeah. came to much greater prominence in Mad Men. She was in mm-hmm. two episodes. <laughs> I guess they were fantastic. <laughs> I was going to say, that's all she needs. Gina Torres, who's now done many different things. Mm-hmm. Probably did different things before that, but I'm bad with movies and TV. Oh, what's the name of plays Badger? Oh, uh, yeah, he's in there, too. I forgot about him. <laughs> yep. He's he's not one of the main cast, but he shows up in two or yeah. three episodes. He was in a fairly prominent role for a non-recurring character uh, in Doctor Who. So I think it's like... Mark Shepard. Mark Shepard, yes. So I, I think there's that aspect to it. It's like, oh, like, the, before, you know, they went off to do all these different things. They were they were all in Firefly. Mm-hmm. All these young people collaborating on this genius show that was out on the edge. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the origin story of those actors, in a way. Mm-hmm. Likewise, um, it's, it is to date, as far as I know, or speaking about going out to the edge, ugh, to date, it is the only thing that Joss Whedon has done that has not been finished in, a, in that sense that it was canceled. Dollhouse. Was Dollhouse? I mean... Dollhouse was canceled. Okay. Oh, I thought, I thought it well, finished. Did it? But... I thought it was almost canceled in the first season, and then they revived it. This is the part of the show where <laughs> I do research on the air. I feel like no one would dare cancel a Joss Whedon project now. <laughs> it was canceled. Oh, man. No, I mean, like, if he if he did another TV show now, I don't think anyone would cancel anything on him. Oh, man. Taking a deep cut back to earlier in the episode when we were talking about Famous Last Words. Oh, yeah? Uh, my Famous Last Words were Where's the Second Season? And I unearthed some data on that. Ooh. Oh, my. Uh, there is a long and storied history, but there are at least three notes that are of interest regarding why isn't there a second season. Relevant to what you were saying, G. Um, there was an article from earlier this year, I think it was even February, where Fox president of entertainment, David Madden, said that a Firefly revival is possible, but only if Whedon was back and fully on board, which is unlikely considering he hasn't produced a full-time series since Dollhouse. They, they keep giving him Avengers movies to direct, and now he's <laughs> going to finish directing Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I don't know why he would bother, yeah, <laughs> to be yeah. completely honest. Like, this isn't Matt Groening and The Simpsons, where... <laughs> You can say whatever you want <laughs> about Fox. Well, how long did it take for Twin Peaks? Well, there's a there's an twenty-seven in, years in canon reason for that. I mean, it was going to be twenty-five, but uh, delays and Lynch not not getting what he wanted and everything in the contracts and being out for a bit and then being back in and you know it it'll was, happen. It'll happen eventually. It was all the big plan. I still don't know why Twin Peaks got a revival, but that's not what this episode is about. <laughs> ah. The other two notes that I came across were actually pretty interesting. Uh, back in September of 2016, um, when Nathan Fillion was asked about the show continuing, he said, I loved every minute of it. It's really hard to look at the kind of stuff and say, give me more because enough is enough. Oh my God, it was everything. It was everything. How can everything not be enough? There was another event back in 2011 where fans tried to revive the show. 12,000 people pledged a total of over a million dollars U.S., which averaged about $85 a pledge uh, at helpnathanbyfirefly.com because he had said, if I win the lottery, I will... Re- I don't know why he said this. Yeah. He kind of <laughs> joked that if he won the lottery, he would buy the rights to the uh, show, yeah, <laughs> like produce it himself, and then put it out online. Yeah. But uh, Marissa Tancha Rowan, I'm bad at pronouncing names, but it'll be in the show notes, uh, who writes for many of the Whedon projects, said that no one in the Whedonverse is in support of the site. Um, with no particular hard feelings, 
there's some uncomfort around fans taking the rights to Firefly. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, the organizers announced that they were going to officially end the project. Hmm. And Whedon himself has shut down fans in 2011, 2013, <laughs> and 2014. Pretty much any time oh, somebody talks about a revival. Oh, man. Wasn't there a fan movie made that Whedon gave his blessing to called something like Brown Coats Redemption? Uh, I saw a trailer for that, and I hope not, because that <laughs> did not look good. <laughs> Whereas I saw a 14-minute fan film called The Verse, and I just kind of skipped through it, and I was just really impressed the entire time that I watched it. Hmm. It had, like, the right aesthetic, it had the right style, it looked professional. Hmm. Man, it looked good. Maybe it's that trepidation of handing rights over to the fans that they talked about, that there's not really... This is, this is brought up in a, in a Reddit thread in Out of the Loop. It's like, why does, you know, how did Firefly get such a huge fan base? He's talking about there's no... There's a few comics, but no real EU. There's no, like a bunch of novels or anything like that mm-hmm. or like I, I i would i would think based on its popularity it would go the doctor who route like once it went off the air you know everything else kind of stepped up but the reins were not handed over to anyone else no so there's been minimal like extra firefly content really yeah there's an rpg Ooh. like the tabletop like pen- rpg ah. yeah. hey. for all intents and purposes based on what i found about Joss Whedon, like what he had said about the series himself, he had plans for something like seven seasons. Whew. So, I mean, something... something Wowzers. Yeah. That's ambitious. Yeah. But something like Doctor Who, where the stories are... Like, the driving force with Doctor Who is that you've always got a different actor playing the Doctor. The adventures change a little bit. The companions change as along with the Doctor. But, I mean, the story is sort of the same thing over time. But from the sounds of it, like... I imagine that those seven seasons would have told one long story or maybe two sort of medium-sized stories. And, like, I just don't see anybody wanting to, to hand that over. Well, I mean, there's at least three stories that I can think of in the four story. There's a few stories in the show yeah. that I can think of, and some of them reached resolution. Like, there's this thread with the Reavers, who are they, where did they come from, which <laughs> they resolve in the movie. Yep. There's... The Preacher, mm-hmm. like his backstory, like what's up with that, which I think is actually uncovered in the comics, which I haven't read. You've got this question of like Inara, where did she come from? Mm-hmm. Um, what's her what's her deal? You've got like what led up to the War of the Independence, which might have been covered to some extent, but I don't remember very much of. And then you have the question of like the men in blue who want to abduct uh, River. Yeah. Which is a lot of loose ends at the end of a first season. <laughs> oh, yeah yeah that's not made with the knowledge that they were going out <laughs> no. but they covered up the reavers so that was that was good that's mm-hmm. something strangely in contrast to that uh, i think it is still a show about real kind of people because you've, you're talking about people who need to get by and do what they need to do to make ends meet mm-hmm. in the first or second episode the train job yep they have a heist. It's like, cool, we're going to go to this train, we're going to steal yeah. the stuff, and we're going to sell the stuff. It's like, great. Oh, well, those were actually medical supplies from the Alliance mm-hmm. that these frontier people needed. Well, It's like, well, we hate the Alliance, <laughs> but we don't like screwing over the sick and needy. Mm. So then they actually go back on their word, and uh, they're the good guys. Oh, good for them. Not that they're always the good guys, but <laughs> they do that. <laughs> Or a Robin Hood sort of thing. Yeah, kind of. So, but, like, they're not great. They're not good people because when they um, are faced with 
people who are trying to like get the debt repaid, they straight up murder one of them. Yeah. Well, in a really hilarious scene. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I, I don't know. You haven't seen it, so <laughs> you've probably never seen it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but maybe in the sense of it not mattering, uh, one of the quotes that I found from the articles is. It's really about the search for meaning in a meaningless universe. Mm. Is the sh- is the show in a nutshell? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I can kind of see that in the sense that it that's the realness of it. Like, nothing that we do kind of matters, and we follow these adventures, and they may or may not pan out. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's looking for the best in what's not the best. There. Yeah. Well, I mean, along similar lines, um, I found this blog post on a blog called asking the wrong questions what where they <laughs> where they apparently answered the right ones at least Ooh. in this post they point out that you know westerns even more than fantasy stories tend to have this very black and white morality where the heroes are heroes and the villains are villains but if you take the character of uh the captain of mal he is very much not a black and white kind of hero because he he was very idealistic when he was fighting on the independent side in the war, but then losing that war sort of soured his idealism and disillusioned him and like sort of tore down his ideas of heroism. And now he's sort of struggling with what it means to be a hero and he is not a hero, but he still does heroic things. So, I mean, there's all this sort of, there are extra dimensions to his character and it seemed like that was one of the major draws of the show perhaps more so at the time when it first came out than now, because there are examples of that all over the TV landscape. But I think that's definitely a factor. People really latched onto that character. When did we start to see this trend of completely immorally ambiguous characters? Ooh, let's see. In TV? Yeah, like when did The Wire come out? Mm. 2004. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. 2004 is, you know, you know, you see both sides... Of the story, mm-hmm. and they're not telling you which one's right. Mm-hmm. That could be. I mean, The Sopranos. Oh, that's true. Yeah. If we ever did an episode of The Sopranos, uh... yeah, yeah, we are up to our necks in morally ambiguous characters now. Yep. Even in superhero movies, <laughs> Wonder Woman is not morally ambiguous. That is true. No. She is a shining beacon of good. I mean, we just had like Civil War. With Marvel, where it's like, who's right, who's wrong? I, that did not seem super morally ambiguous. <laughs> Unfortunately, they, they like, Captain America's right. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, Iron Man's a hero. He was on the other side. There were lots of heroes mm-hmm. that were on the other side. Shades of Grey is where it's at now, but, like, back in 2002, not, not as common, perhaps. See, that's something good that came out of Firefly G. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps it's it's because of that like more neutral, more gray kind of tone to the moral outlook of the characters. But I think that outside of all their quips and and whatnot, you have at least one of the characters you'll relate to in some way. And I think oftentimes you can relate to multiple of the characters. It's got like that that Joss Whedon feel where everybody just kind of clicks together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even Jane, the gun toting. I don't want to say maniac, but like <laughs> very murder oriented <laughs> in his day to day activities. Well, it's that's a bit of a hyperbole, but he's definitely a very gruff, aggressive kind of character. 
mm-hmm. contrasted with like the preacher who's in favor of nonviolence, but then has this, his, I don't know. Lots of the characters are relatable or, or um, Kaylee's enduring naivete and mm-hmm. enthusiasm mm-hmm. or Wash's being goofy <laughs> or I'm guessing Alan Tudyuk being Alan Tudyuk. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've never met him. <laughs> I'm sure it's similar to his portrayal on screen. On a completely different note, I think it's interesting talking about Firefly fandom because it's one of the times where there's very intensely a fandom, but it is very much about the thing in question. Like, if you take a look at something like Leafs fans, where we had a hard time trying to figure out the why, definitely, mm-hmm. but also separating the fans from the actual thing. I think that's really hard to do with something that's as short-lived as Firefly. There's not really... It's like a seed was planted, and it's kind of been nurtured, but it's only ornamental grass. There's only so much you can do with it. Yeah. If I had to sum up everything that I found out about brown coats from, you know, the reading that I did, the watching that I did, it seems very much like there was sort of a core group of people who saw the series on Fox, were outraged when it was canceled, and then, like, took that outrage sort of proselytized sort of uh, preached the good word of firefly to fellow fans fellow sci-fi aficionados and that then sort of grew that core group of fans outward until more and more people could say that they were firefly fans and i found it really interesting that uh at one point in the documentary it's actually pointed out but um that firefly and browncoat within the the fandom community became synonymous simply with community and it wasn't it was said by more than one person who uh who was interviewed that it wasn't so much of a fandom as it was a family like family was used way more frequently to refer to the fandom than simply fandom or fans hmm. here's your um supernatural connection hey ah something something blood something something family there's more blood in your family than <laughs> stars in the sky. Oh Something Ohana means family. Obama means family. Obama. Obama, means, means, family. Obama yep. means family. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe another reason that it's so disconnected or so connected is you have family. You have people that are really interested in the show and that they are a family. But what you don't have to the same degree is a fandom because there wasn't enough to do that. Yeah. Like, if you make a transformative work with something that's very poorly defined, you're almost just making your own thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if you make your own transformative work based on Firefly and it doesn't use Mal or that crew, what are you using? You're using a America-Chinese alliance in a world with big corporate interests and some sort of crazy zombie-esque space aliens like okay you pretty much got your own stuff mm-hmm. i mean nothing wrong with with being inspired by something but it's like you're perhaps making something new instead of being a part of this fandom yeah this is my oc do not steal <laughs> <laughs> you're saying like there's there wasn't quite enough to grab onto uh yeah maybe like like kind of there's just the 14 episodes in the movie yeah so all people can do is just kind of like gather it in their hands and be like, here, look at this and hold it up to the light instead of because 
the one thing that seems to me, I mean, I haven't read any Firefly fanfic. I'll be honest about that. But have you been lying about everything else? (laughs) Yes. The only thing seems to be missing is like people playing in that world. It's really just like held up as like the world is what is contained in those episodes. I mean, mm-hmm. in as much as there's some world building that goes on, we're mostly a lot of it takes place on the ship or on some generic planet. Yeah. Mm. The world that you care about is the relationships and lives of the characters. Yes. That's about it. Because it's it is an ensemble cast like, you know, a Game of Thrones or something, but Instead of being far flung, it's all concentrated. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of strong character relationships. Yeah. But at the expense of, of perhaps more of a world. Yeah. And I think that that world is the part that tie, like that gets people gets people making the transformative works instead of just saying, man, wasn't Nathan Fillion great in Firefly? <laughs> I mean, no one's saying he wasn't. <laughs> it definitely seems like... A lot of the energy that uh, other fandoms have put into their transformative works went into transformative works that weren't necessarily made to play in the world, but to get more of that world. Hmm. Like there were a lot of songs and all the different fan vids and that kind of thing that seemed to be, you know, primarily about, hey, there's this great thing. We should do something to make more of it. Well... It doesn't seem like there's going to be any more of Firefly, sadly. I think there will be. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. It's... I don't have a date, <laughs> but I think there will be more. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Firefly's coming back. That's right. I, I'm just going to call up Joss. Oh, we can't. I'm Joss Whedon. Oh, there we go. He can shoot it between his lunch breaks and his league. I don't see a problem. Just munching down on a sandwich. It's like, maybe, yeah, it's good, whatever. It's fine. Maybe I should put Cyborg in Firefly. You know what Joss Whedon sounds like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to comment on none of us knowing what Joss Whedon sounds like. <laughs> I mean, I've heard him interviewed, <laughs> but I don't think he has like a, like a particularly notable voice. Just I, like, I just wanted to give him like a, a Lincoln-esque voice. Reminding me that Lincoln had a high-pitched voice. <laughs> that he did. Yeah. All right, well, maybe we should fast forward to the future where we already have Firefly or alternatively where we're a few seconds in the future and we have In or Out. In or Out, out, of course, being the part of the show where we try to find out if people are going to participate more or less in the fandom where they get to define what participation means. (laughs) We're a podcast, not cops. (laughs) For real. Uh, I don't know if you want to go first, G, or if we should leave you for last. Because I have no idea what you're going to say. Uh, leave me for last. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say I'm in as much as I've already been in, which is to say that I've seen the show, I enjoy the show, and I will give a signal boost to anyone who wants to do something with the show, talk about the show, etc. Clearly, as we were going through this podcast, I was surprised by the amount I knew about it, <laughs> having not seen it in the longest time, and... It being a short show and having not seen it very recently. I enjoyed it. It's a good show. I love the cast. I really like Nathan Fillion, but I couldn't tell you why. (laughs) The X Factor. (laughs) It's just a good show that uh, has heart. Despite the fact that they're basically, I don't know, smugglers and and things like that. And I I just like it in the Joss Whedon-esque, like, 
know, Dr. Horrible or Buffy or it's just that feel and I like that feel. So I'm in. All right. Maybe I'll pick up the comics at some point as I further adventure into the world of non-manga. Once I finish reading through Saga, maybe. Oh, man. <laughs> Is it done? Is that a thing? Is it still going? <laughs> you are asking the wrong people, I feel. Time to do research on the air. How about you, Z? What are you... Uh... <laughs> type, 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 type. Exactly, same. <laughs> what about... Um, are you in or out regarding Firefly? Uh, regarding Firefly, I've got to say I am out. <laughs> oh, um, shock. There are, you know, the, I think when I did pick up the series and, you know, have a brief, brief glimpse at it through the first three or four episodes. For, I, I Anyway, I can't even remember how many episodes I ha- I've watched, but I uh, saw the movie basically because it was a sci-fi movie out at the time. Didn't really have any Firefly knowledge at that point in time, so it was just kind of like this movie about smugglers and some kind of experiments and like she's a weapon but a human too and you know kind of cool stuff but like i'm i'm gonna say that i'm out just because i mean it's been maybe six years at this point that i watched the first three four episodes and uh although somebody in the documentary done the impossible did say that people need four to five eps to get into it you know if they what? after four after four to five somebody very enthusiastically was saying something like after four to five like i've never met anybody who's seen the first four to five episodes and not been into firefly like maybe i'm the first person maybe but uh it's been six years and like i just haven't had the interest to go back to it yet so i'm gonna say right now i'm done all right, brief digression. Saga is still going, so I am bleeped. Man, oh man. Nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, second digression. Anybody who says that you need to watch like five episodes of an hour-long series <laughs> should just... Five episodes of a 14-episode yeah, exactly. series. <laughs> I, like, I, also, I will admit, yeah. the first two, like the pilot episode, are long. And, yes. you know, there's some good parts, but it's quite long. Mm-hmm. I think the second episode is a good place to start. But if you're not hooked by like... That or the first episode where you have Christina Hendricks' character, like it, as just random aside episodes, mm-hmm. and you're probably not interested. You don't need to watch five episodes. <laughs> oh boy. But if you don't love at least one of the characters a little bit, then you're dead inside. That's what I'm going to say. Oh boy. Anyway. Um, man, four or five episodes. That's ridiculous. <laughs> man, it's like, oh, you... Fringe gets good after the first season. Oof. Oh, you mean 25 hour-long episodes? The Wire gets good after... Nope. <laughs> you know what gets good after the first episode? Or just in general? Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yep. Heck yeah. Yeah. I'd say the pilot of Lost is also one of the best first episodes of a series. Maybe I'll do that, but maybe yeah. not. Uh, it's like <laughs> seven uh, season, isn't it? It's only six. Yeah. Uh, I would only watch five, but uh, <laughs> that's a topic for a different day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of topics of today... Yeah. Uh, gee, are you in or out? I, I okay. wonder what you could possibly be. It's very well known among these two gentlemen, and probably to listeners of this podcast, that I have a slight hate on for Firefly, having never seen it. And that's just because the amount of times I've had someone be like, oh, <laughs> you got to watch Firefly. It's so good. Like, I didn't doubt anyone, but I heard it so much. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to watch Firefly. I don't have to watch Firefly to improve my life. <laughs> 
That was like, I said, I heard it one too many times. Just to be contrary, I was like, no. No, I don't have to watch. I did watch a bit of it. I broke that for this episode. Which we are thankful for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a good chance I will watch the whole series and the movie. Oh, wow. Am I going to have to backspace what I wrote in here already? (laughs) Hang on. Uh, This is a roller coaster. Because it's 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 not a great time commitment, right? It's there's, yeah. there's not there's not that much of it. And now that I've you know broken the seal, so to speak, I can't say that I've never watched it anymore. I might as well go ahead and see what everybody's talking about. Be part of the cultural conversation of you know ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. That being said, no matter how much of it I consume, I'm going to be out because it doesn't sound like there's anywhere any space play it it's a pretty good unfinished story that has some good ideas or mysteries and unless we you know get good resolution and good conclusions to the narratives it's not going to be something that i'm going to want to celebrate after i'm finished watching it i'll probably be like oh that's a shame and then move on to the next thing even if i enjoy it i don't think it will stick right it's it's like there's no curative arena there's no transformative area because there's not enough to do either of those things that's right right or not enough for you i should say not not enough for me it'll be like reading uh douglas adams salmon of doubt <laughs> the dirk gently story he was working on when he died <laughs> <laughs> and i turn that next page i'm like oh there's nothing here nor is there ever going to be <laughs> and uh long oh. sigh and and i put it down I will say as an addendum, though, this is a series that found itself in the exact same position as Family Guy did, except it did not get renewed. And if I was voting between the two, I'd vote for Firefly 100 times out of 100. (laughs) Because it has heart. It has characters that mean things to people that people really enjoy, whereas Family Guy is just a heartless, kind of cruel show, just kind of memes itself into oblivion. <laughs> so I agree that this probably should have been renewed. Hmm. But, you know, them's the breaks. All right. Yeah. That was a bit of a roller coaster there. I thought for a second you were pulling the Z on us. <laughs> which which pulling a Z would that be? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. There may be multiple definitions. This isn't like <laughs> yeah. pulling a Homer, or maybe a- it's exactly B- like pulling a Homer. C D E. Uh, the kind where it's a long story and you're like, get to the point. But it, there was there was point the whole way through. Yeah. I just, we, on the way back from Medicon, we were talking about Family Guy and I was reminded about why I hate that show so much. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man. I did have in my notes a reference to Greg the Bunny, but I couldn't just find a way to put it in. So I didn't. So <laughs> we're just putting it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Greg the Bunny was a thing. <laughs> Seth Myers, whatever. Or Seth whatever i don't know seth green right uh you know it doesn't have seth green in it this week's spotlight (laughs) this week i i found probably the most related spotlight i could have possibly found the spotlight of course being where we try to shine the light on a related good cause or fan work or anything related to the topic that we talked about this week's spotlight is k 
Can't Stop the Serenity, which you can find at www.cantstoptheserenity.com. Can't Stop the Serenity is a group that organizes screenings of Serenity, the uh, Firefly movie, for charity. The proceeds go to Equality Now, uh, which is an organization working for equality for women and girls. Since 2006, they have raised a million dollars U.S., and it is entirely run by volunteers. There's a cute little quote from their page, which says, uh, We share the ideal that people should aim to misbehave if it absolutely means doing the right thing. We hold true that anyone can make a difference, and no effort is insignificant. Further, we believe that a government shouldn't destroy the rights of its citizens, regardless of sex. Basically, we watch our shows, support our causes, and allow our voices to be heard because we live in countries which allow us to do so. But we realize that there are other people out there who cannot do what we can do. Hmm. Yeah. They have screenings around the world. I couldn't find any for Canada because you can go and search. Um, so that means there are no, no one in Canada organizing or it happened this year already. I don't know which. If you are in Canada and you want to organize one of those things, you should check out CanStopTheSerenity.com and I'm sure they would be very appreciative of that. And if you're near us, we'll go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd totally go. I haven't seen that movie in forever. It was <laughs> middling, but I still enjoyed it. Unfortunately, not good enough to uh, make it a trilogy as many fans wanted. I mean... They're all trilogies now, isn't it? Fans want lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> the other spotlight, which I cannot forget, is... No, no. No. Hmm. If uh, Firefly was the greatest TV show of all time, then there's no arguing that... The next spotlight is, nay, the greatest charity of all time. That is perhaps even too much of an exaggeration for me. But it is the Race Against Time, which you can check out at raceagainsttime.io uh, or go to twitch.tv slash theraceagainsttime. Now in its third year of running, the Race Against Time is the next cast's annual charity live stream where we work our way through Chrono Trigger, obtaining all of its different endings and raising money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Last year we raised over $1,200 Canadian and this year we have plans to surpass that. If... You are not doing anything on August 12th, or... If you're doing something for only part of August 12th. Yeah. If you happen to have availability in your calendar, we will be starting the Race Against Time on August 12th at around 10 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, playing for 24 hours straight. And again, you can subscribe at twitch.tv slash time or check out raceagainsttime.io. Good cause. Charity. Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. If you are listening to us on iTunes right now... If you want to help out the show, the absolute easiest thing you can do is hit that subscribe button. Drops a new fandom. Drops into your inbox. Inbox? Feed? Whatever. Every week. And you can hear our, our smooth, buttery voices once again. We'd also love it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes. It helps us reach more people. Otherwise, our episodes are available at fanthropological.com. All of our episodes are available at fanthropological.com. We are at the Knicks cast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, which should feature uh, the interviews we did at YetiCon, I do believe. By this point, definitely, is what I tell myself. <laughs> and a live video recording of our panel that we did on Pokemon. Ah, uh, yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that should have already been available for some time now. Ooh. I'm just making so, more work for myself. YouTube.com slash the next cast uh, is where you can check all that out. And if you're jonesing for a little next cast fix, you can uh, head over to the Brain Trust Bros and their uh, the Peanut Gallery podcast. T and I were on episode 11, just kind of uh, shooting the breeze and talking about why we do this podcast and some of our favorite movies as well. Yep. If you think that it's a good cause to connect fans and to hear more and learn more about fandom, then you can check out our Patreon. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash the next cast, you can see what our, our goals are, all the different things that we do. 
and uh, maybe even get some special rewards, depending on how much you are able to pledge. Even as little as a dollar a month can go a long way in helping us to continue to produce high-quality content uh, without any ads. And of course, uh, if you do that, you'd have our undying gratitude. Uh, check that out, patreon.com slash thenextcast. And if you're curious as to what we are up to on Twitter, just search up that uh, that hashtag, hashtag Fanthro, F-A-N-T-H-R-O. If you throw that into the search bar on Twitter and then hit that <laughs> enter key or click that little magnifying glass, you know, whatever, uh, then you'll find what we're up to. I want you just to describe the actual step-by-step process of, of each social media. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Uh, Z, no, no. like, go on WikiHow and make an article, Ooh. and then you can reference the article and read through the article on the air. Oh, man. It'll be amazing. It won't be amazing. Oh, my goodness. Only there a- is, of course, one little tiny bit before we go, mm-hmm. and that is uh, a part that is G's favorite part, I think. I don't know. He said it once. I feel like everyone said it's their favorite part at one time. Yeah, uh, p- p- probably. <laughs> uh, and that is famous last words. Famous last words. This is, of course, our, our chance to say something stupid about the next fandom or insightful or anywhere in between. It will be a chance to have some statement or questions about the fandom we'll be discussing next week. Next week is interesting in that it will be on Disney fandom, and it is the last episode of this season. So actually, this will be the last time this season that we have famous last words, I think. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I miss them already. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be renewed for the next season. I have a feeling they'll be back each and every week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... Since I haven't prepared any famous last words, unlike normal, uh, I'm going to roll my dice. Oh, it's Z, because that's my totally fair it's, die it's roll. Dice just has Z on every <laughs> face of it. Like, it doesn't have to have other names on it. I'm sure some of them are really ends, and they just look like Zs because the way that uh, that they've turned up. Yep. But if they're ends, that's any of us, which doesn't help. Anyway, I, uh, I've been thinking about this a little bit. I mean... If, we, if it was about Firefly in retrospect, it'd have to be something about like conservatives and uh, and then fanfic and stuff. But anyway, it's about Disney. Disney. So I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to say it right now. The people who are a part of or waiting to be a part of the secret Disneyland club underneath like uh, Main Street or whatever it is. Um, where it's like the only place in the park that sells alcohol or that has alcohol or liquor or something, something exclusive and adult. I'm going to say that the people who are a part of that club and who would like to be a part of that club are not real Disney fans. All right. Do you think that matters? <laughs> well, I mean, they're going to to, uh, to Disneyland, so I mean, come on. Probably taking their families. <laughs> <laughs> So let me let me do do a quick edit there. So you're saying real Disney fans are not interested in alcohol? Yes. Ah, and we got a little. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a spicy meatball. Yep, Sicilian levels of spice. Okay, I'm wondering if Disney has a formal code of contact for the company interacting with fans. 
and I'm trying to come up with, with a more specific way of phrasing that. I know they they don't allow people to dress as Disney characters at their parks, mm-hmm. but I want to know if, if there are more rules to it. Because if someone has rules for it, it's Disney. Yeah. You cannot have a beard or a tattoo and work at Disneyland. <laughs> There's a lot of rules when it comes to Disney. Wait, aren't, aren't there characters that have beards? I mean, <laughs> the characters are an exception. No, okay, I just wanted to check. Yeah. So you're referring specifically to like the rules governing the the actors? No, not not necessarily. Just like if they keep a distance from from fans, or, or if they if mm. they have a way to choose to interact with fans, mm-hmm. like you know, interact with kids this way, but adult fans this way, kind of thing. Uh-huh. Does that mean that they can't have like Sikhs? Like they just don't employ any Sikh people? Um, I have no idea. Interesting. Maybe not in that role. Maybe behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. In that secret club. Or 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 in the secret tunnels that the the actors use to get around. <laughs> oh man. Just wanna know about underground Disneyland. <laughs> it's a thing. Well yeah. It's, it's a thing. I mean the mole people want to go to to Disneyland too, come on. Everybody does. Alright T. <sighs> Sorry, I got distracted. I was thinking about Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> all right so i had a, a snide answer but it's not really what i want but i'll say it anyway or a snide question i should say is it possible to not be a fan of disney considering how much media that disney consists of but that's not super interesting because disney literally owns like half of the media companies and that's not really talking about fandom so i think i need to to do a little bit better than that my famous last words for this coming week's episode are going to be what is the biggest difference in fandoms within Disney? We think of Disney as mostly the animated movies, and there's actually a ton of other things. I actually don't care about those other things. I'm just thinking about, you know, your Aladdins, your Lion Kings, your Snow Whites. Yes. The animated movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, like, you take two of those particular subgroups because I'm sure there are people that are fans of one thing and not fans of another. And I'm wondering if there's one set of fandoms that are like so radically different that they like hate each other or something like that. <laughs> like, I don't know, you've got is, is Moana Disney or is that Pixar? Or is Disney. That... Moana's Disney. Okay. Yeah. If you've got like Moana fans on the one side and you've got like Snow White and they hate each other for some like weird reason. Oh, man. T's looking for Disney beefs. I guess. Are there Disney fans who hate each other would be another way to put it. Ooh. Well, if you're looking for Disney beefs, you should probably uh, check out Clarabelle Cow. <laughs> That's all the time we have on Featherbological <laughs> this week. Tune in next week to find out if T survives. Unless we get cancelled. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. have a fancy cold open i i don't have one uh take my love take my land take me where i cannot stand the this week we're talking about brown coats oh man um this raise the land and boil the sea 
you can't take this podcast from me this week from the Phanthropological Institute. We're talking. (laughs) (laughs) Let me write this down. Do you want me? Like, you can go for it. Just just send it in Slack. Uh, Fine. (laughs) That's what I get for improv. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll just quickly uh, watch the first episode. Turns out the first episode is f- an hour and fifteen minutes. So oh yeah, not doing mm-hmm. that. Also, not the real first episode. Uh, <laughs> so I watched, I watched like a little bit. Raise the land and boil the sea. You can't take this podcast from me. We're talking brown coats. Turns out I don't know how he said it in the show. So oh, it's fr- it's actually from the opening song. Boil the land or take the sea. You can't take the sky from me. Twang. Raise the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. You spin me right round, baby, right round. <laughs> That's not. Baby, I'll be there to take your hand. <laughs> Baby, I'll be there to share Ooh. the land They'll be giving away When we all live together Talking about together now oh, he, He's alright <laughs> So actually, this will be the last time This season that we have famous last words, I think Oh man mm-hmm. I miss them already <laughs> I'm sure they'll be renewed for the next season I have a feeling they'll be back each and every week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not a huge break between seasons. No, no, no. there's not. Uh, <laughs> a, little, a little salty about that, G. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Please cut that out, Z. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. All right. Um, since I have.